Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as someone who reads the news, and you know, I sort of have a hunch that this Trump guy doesn't know what he's doing, but in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair, I'm happy to have Maggie Haberman, the White House correspondent for The New York Times. This is an important role in any administration, but it's especially important right now as President Trump tries to respond to the coronavirus outbreak. We're recording this on Friday, March 13th. Maggie, welcome to Recode Decode. Kara, thanks for having me. So you're busy. You've yeah, a little busy. bit. Yeah. Yep, you so see my phone here. Yeah, I know. You're, yeah, I'm going to make you not look at it sorry. for a second. Okay, so tell me about sort of the state of play right now. This is Friday, uh, and we're probably publishing on Monday, but we might publish it over the weekend. Tell me where the state of play is right now. The state of play is that there is going to be an announcement later today, uh, and there, it's dribbled out a little bit already on Friday morning, uh, about an increase in test capacity, that there's mm-hmm. a private company that has the capacity, got uh, rapid approval from the FDA, emergency approval, to do uh, some form of advanced testing or automatic testing, and that, they think, is going to increase the capacity on what has been the biggest problem here, which is the testing. Mm-hmm. But their other problem is one of how the president talks about this. And right. so there is the realistic problem of what's happening with the medical experts. Um, there is the realistic problem of Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's a, a most visible member of the coronavirus task force uh, and an infectious diseases expert um, who clearly wants to get information out to the public and also clearly wants to not anger the president and is walking this careful line. And then you have a president who typically sees things um, through the lens of how they affect him as opposed Mm -hmm. to how they affect others. And so he has reacted to this crisis accordingly. And this morning has been tweeting blame at President Obama, who left office three years ago Mm -hmm. for deficiencies with the CDC, uh, who is angry at um, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, and who I think is going to get a number of increasing questions and more pressure about whether he will be tested himself, given the fact that he was around somebody over the weekend at his private club, Mar-a-Lago in Florida, who has tested positive. And possibly several people because of CPAC and other things. Correct. CPAC seems like it was a, a couple of d- degrees separated. Mm-hmm. He would have had to have been in contact with someone who was in contact with the infected uh, CPAC uh, person. But at Mar-a-Lago, there's a picture of the president standing mm-hmm. with this Brazilian aide mm-hmm. who the has tested positive. Communications aide. Who has tested positive. And the president is even holding a hat, and the communications aide is wearing the same hat, so it, it's reasonable to assume he was handed the hat. The White House continues to say he, the, the president really didn't interact with this guy. I mean, th- the magic of sight shows us that he did. Right. And even if he tested, let's say he tested negative, let's say, or let's say that he didn't get tested, the best practices guidelines that the federal government has given out is that you self-quarantine if right. you end up in a situation Which like many, that. many, many senators have done. Many Congress senators, members. Congress members have done the same thing, including the president's incoming White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, who tested negative and still continue to quarantine. Ted Cruz has extended his quarantine because there's a second person he discovered he came in contact with in addition mm-hmm. to the CPAC person. The president's doing none of that. Previous presidents have recognize the importance of 
showing that they are well and showing that they are taking precautions themselves right Right. the president did in his speech the other night his oval office address say wash your hands don't come in contact with the elderly who are the most vulnerable but that's the bare minimum he gave no comments about schools about um, large gatherings about what states should be doing the rest of the country has sort of passed him by Mm -hmm. in terms of taking matters into their own hands you have sports leagues postponing their season. Companies. Companies are sending people home and making them work virtual. A number of school districts around the country are closing their schools for several weeks, if not more, and saying they'll reassess. Governor Cuomo here in New York has made very clear that he's not waiting for the federal government anymore. And People. And including not just not just you know, Democratic governors like Cuomo, but Mike DeWine in Correct. Ohio is a really good example of someone who seems to be trying to handle the crisis as if he's the president of the state, which he is. Like he's running, he's he's dealing with his people. And I think in coordination with like uh, Gretchen Whitmer from That's Michigan, right. they're all they all the governors seem to be working in conjunction with each other. I think they are. And Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, um, mm-hmm. who's a, a, a Trump ally. There are a ton of cases, a relative ton of cases in Florida, but I think there were 15 new ones announced um, yesterday. Uh, He has urged people to avoid mass gatherings, even as the president of the United States was dangling the possibility that he might still hold a rally in Florida Mm -hmm. at the end of this month that he lied about and claimed had been, you know, sold out to capacity before it was before it it hasn't been announced publicly. So it didn't. those things are jarring. And um, when people are scared, they look to leadership. And I think one of the, the challenges that this president has, other than the fact that this is just testing him in a way that nothing else has, and this is actually a, a circumstance that is not about him. It's mm-hmm. not in the Russia probe. It's not Mueller. It's not even impeachment. It's not this is and it's not in some it's not some faraway crisis where Americans can tell themselves it doesn't on, on the mainland that it doesn't affect them like Puerto Rico. Right. Um, and it's not wildfires in California, which seem more abstract. Um, this is going to be in every state. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are warnings that are dire about worst case scenarios. Now, it's possible the worst case scenarios won't happen, but this is why officials want people to prepare for the worst so right. the worst doesn't happen. Right, the exactly. The pre- president has been, and you know this, singularly focused on not rattling financial markets, which is part of why he was slow. Markets got rattled on their own because mm-hmm. the president has a, a credibility issue now. All right, so let's get to the background of this. What set this up for this? Let's talk first about Trump himself in terms of, someone just tweeted, you can't bully or tweet your way out of this. That's a lot of, I think that's a sentiment, or you can't bully or BS your way out of it. Secondly, um, the obsession with the financial markets above all else, including public safety. Um, talk a little bit about the background of that, that got us to this reaction over something so dire. The background of Trump personally, you mean, or of yeah, how he's what managed is, his what government? Is, how he's both? managed the government. Look, this is not somebody who ever spent any time either in government or really thinking about government other than kibitzing from the sidelines of the Fox and Friends couch or tweeting when mm-hmm. Obama was president. So um, these are not issues that he had given a lot of thought to, and he has a mistrust of experts, and he tends to rely on his own gut and believes he knows better than others. And and the other thing that I think is really crucial and gets missed here, there's two factors to this, this culture that he has created in his administration where infighting is, is not only allowed but almost encouraged by a president who likes watching people compete mm-hmm. um, and, and often just wants to see them duking it out in front of him, combined with the fact that there are 
a very small handful of family members working in the White House who mm-hmm. can't get in trouble, or you know, even smaller number of aides who also can't get in trouble in the White House. When there's no accountability like that, it just creates a, a terrible um, climate, and you have people who are not necessarily rowing in tandem. This task force was set up several weeks ago. It was immediately problematic. I know that there's been a lot of sense that um, Alex Azar was sidelined in part because he was saying, Alex Azar, the HHS commissioner, um, that he was sidelined because he was warning Mm -hmm. that this was a problem and he was seen by the president as alarmist and Mm -hmm. some of the president's aides. And that's true. But Azar also, because of his own fight uh, with other officials in the administration. Like the FDA. The FDA. um, He kept Seema Verma off of the task force. Mm -hmm. Um, He kept Stephen Hahn, the FDA commissioner. Yes. um, um, who Medicare and Medicaid are going to be key at this Mm -hmm. moment. And Mm -hmm. he did not put her on the task force. And so that was something that alarmed some officials in the White House. And then there's the problem with the testing, which is that there were there were botched efforts at the CDC to come up with adequate testing, um, and there has been a lot of state. There have been a lot of statements made by this president that just weren't true. Right. Like anyone who wants a test can get a test. I mean, that's in line with the thing that Republicans criticized Obama for and that even some Democrats had issues with Obama for, which was if you like your doctor, you can keep it mm-hmm. um, in terms of the rollout of uh, the Affordable Care Act. So that's where we are and that's how we are. And then you combine with that the fact that the markets are reacting with fear. Mm-hmm. And it looks like on the news of an economic stimulus package finally getting Between, voted on uh, today. Pelosi and, and, Nancy, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, have been working as their own channel mm-hmm. while Republicans and Democrats in Congress were talking past each other and while the president was sort of yelling from the sidelines. They have been working on a deal. Um, to Pelosi's credit, to Mnuchin's credit, despite all the other vitriol, they have been really trying to get this done. Mnuchin has been very concerned about actions that the administration is taking and further things that the president might say or do that will further rattle markets. The markets rose a bit this morning right. on news that there is going to be a, a package. A package, um, and we'll see if that happens. Again, we're in minute by minute um, timeframes here, but that's that's where we're at. And so, you lack of confidence, as you know, begets lack of confidence mm-hmm. with the public. And we're not going to be out of this anytime soon. There's right. going to be an increase in testing, which means there will be an increase in positives because mm-hmm. that's. What Mm -hmm. every official has said, Dr. Fauci has said this, the number of cases are going to go up. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's spreading faster, and I Mm -hmm. think people need to bear that in mind, Um, but it does mean it's around, and this is why they're encouraging social distancing. I don't know how the president's going to deal with an event that he can't sort of bend to his will or... Um, treat as an opponent trying to harm him over the course of many weeks. This is going to go on for a while. So one of the things that really struck me is in a lot of your coverage, and and it's been amazing from the entire times, and everybody's doing a great job, actually, all the journalists, is the idea that we don't want to upset him seems to be a big theme in all of them, which I find astonishing that this is, you know, we don't want to wake angry daddy, essentially. It's just that it feels like that. Like it's, it's, I mean, without using that specific description, there is something to that, right? Mm -hmm. That it's, there is a, there is a constant concern. As long as I have known Donald Trump, AIDS have been, which is well before the presidency. Right. You covered him. Just to be clear, Maggie covered, you covered him when he was in New York. I covered him when he was in New York and I covered him um, a lot in 2011 when he was thinking of running for president. Mm -hmm. And I have known 
his, who were then his top advisors, Michael Cohen, who had run for city council years before, Roger mm-hmm. Stone, who has managed a number of races over the years or, or consulted for them, uh, and uh, Sam Nunberg, uh, another uh, who at the time was a Roger Stone protege. I'd known them all for a long time. And it was very well known that Trump expected everyone who worked for him to be fawning. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't refer to him as Donald. They had to call him Mr. Trump. And he took criticism or even just kind of neutral coverage Mm -hmm. um, very poorly. And so I have long said that in his mind, to cover him accurately is to cover him unfairly. And so Mm -hmm. you are seeing what that looks like. In his mind. In his mind. Right. In in his mind, to cover him accurately is unfair. Mm -hmm. Um, It is definitionally unfair if you write something that he doesn't sanction. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't understand the role of a a free press. He doesn't understand that there is a, a White House press corps that's not just showing up at the doors because he's there. And typing. And and typing. Well, and and also that they didn't just... Many people in Washington who cover the White House actually have covered many administrations. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm covering this one, and I didn't... I wasn't assigned full-time to Obama, although I did cover Obama periodically, um, and I covered Bush periodically. But these are reporters who cover the institution. They're not Mm -hmm. there to talk about Donald Trump and and what he's doing right, which is what he, he believes the press should be doing. And so there's that complicating factor. And then there is that AIDS, you know, you have seen this in one public remark after another, whether it's the vice president, whether it's Alex Azar, whether all of them it's had all, a bunch of tweets yesterday. Many of them. It, Fauci is really the only one who won't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, even Redfield, but the CDC has done it, which mm-hmm. is they begin by telling the president what a great leader he was. Mm-hmm. They begin by parroting things that he has said, which mm-hmm. is why am I not getting credit for the fact that I shut down flights coming in from China several weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And to be fair to him, that probably was a move that bought some time. And whether they use that time wisely is a different well, question. Most people think that's but, the case. Right. But regardless, like that's not that shouldn't be something that is a job requirement is saying that every right. time that you're trying to inform the public. And so we are just in this bizarre moment where there is a nexus of all of these various aspects of how Trump manages and how he believes he should be handled. And um, many of them don't relate to actual public health. But he believes that. Now, that's what I, that's what I get. It's, it's fascinating to me because I, I feel like he doesn't actually believe it. He's just expecting it. Or maybe he does. doesn't believe what? That when they say these fake things Oh, you're praise, saying that? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know whether he believes it or not, but he needs to hear it. And I think it actually doesn't really matter whether he believes it or not. It's, right. It is... It is important for him to be told this, whether it is something that he thinks is true or whether it's just something that he wants people. It's really impossible to separate from him how he actually views himself from how he wants other people to view him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you when you hear stuff like that being said, it almost doesn't matter whether he believes it or not. He wants other people to believe it, and See, that's the point. In that way, it sort of negates him from having any responsibility oh, yes, about it. Oh, totally. yes, So, I mean, one totally. of the things that fascinates me is that if he's in on the joke and knows what he's doing, then he knows this is all bullshit. I, I, I get the sense that he does Are we allowed know. to curse on this podcast? Yes, we're oh, allowed cool. to curse. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Right. Say fuck, okay. 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 No, I'm good. Thank okay. you. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll say that when we're you, out there. You behave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's really interesting. It's like a kabuki theater, like a reality show. So I think he—I feel like he's in on the—it's not a joke anymore, but— What I think it is is that what people who have known him for a very long time would say and have said is that he is somebody who has managed to sort of play act his way through a number of aspects of his life over many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he was an actual real estate developer, although he was very reliant on his father, and he doesn't like to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then he was a real. Then then he sort of went bust in the '90s, and then he was a reality TV star. And the brand of the reality 
show that he was on was that he was a successful business guy running a huge business as right. opposed to overseeing basically a mom and pop family operation, operation with which a with a small veered into hand. bankruptcy several times. Right. And and well and look, he he didn't personally suffer those bankruptcies, his creditors did, and so he always felt like he was getting away with something and, and he was happy about that. But um but that said, those are very real parts of his psyche. of his of his psyche and of his past. Um and he is used to being able to I, I have been saying some version of this since twenty sixteen, which is that he will say whatever he has to say to get through 10-minute increments of time, and he doesn't really think beyond them. All right, so, talk a little bit about that. So it's just 10-minute increments of time, so that this, is th- this, which requires planning, which requires foresight, he's incapable of doing that? Whether he's capable—I have no reason to believe he's capable of it because I've never seen him really do that. I have, mm-hmm. se- I have seen him—let me rephrase that. When he has to, when his back is against the wall, which he clearly has been slow to realize it is right now— mm-hmm. He can get himself to be disciplined, and I will give you an example. Okay. Um, at the end of, and I'll and I'll tell you a story. At right. the at the end of the campaign in 2016, my then colleague Ashley Parker, who's now at the Washington Post, and I wrote with Michael Barbaro and Jeremy Peters. I think it was Michael. A story about um, it was basically a premortem, and it ran two days before the election. Mm-hmm. And we were going over this sort of catalog of things that had been problematic for Trump and gotten him to the point where he was because we were writing on the assumption that it was a likely loss. And one of the things we wrote accurately was that AIDS had gotten Twitter to come off his phone. Mm-hmm. And he was very disciplined over those days. On election night, one of my colleagues called him on his cell phone and tried to get a comment from him. It was about 11 o'clock at night, so the race hadn't been called yet, but it was mm-hmm. clearly heading in that direction. And right. some state had just been called. It might have been Wisconsin. And my colleague asked him how he was feeling, and he said, oh, yes, yes, great honor, great honor. You tell Maggie and her little friend, and he meant Ashley, uh-huh. uh, that no one took my Twitter away. And that was what was on his mind right then. And he was able to hold it together for a certain period of time. Right. And then something happened, and he wanted to prove that he wasn't being managed. Mm-hmm. And the perception that he's being managed gets under his skin enormously. Right. And he's being very heavily managed right now. I want to talk when we get back about what's next. What okay. what do we do now that this is the situation? And what can he do to rise to the occasion? We're here with Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. She covers the White House and has covered the Trump administration since what year, Maggie? Uh, the administration since yeah. it began in 2017. Since it began in 2017. Yeah. And before that, covered Trump. And covered the campaign. And then I covered him prior to the campaign. We'll be right back. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hey, it's Tom Warren, senior editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. 
We're here with Maggie Haberman of The New York Times. We're talking about the crisis in the White House over coronavirus. So at top of mind is Trump himself and his health. Um, I thought he looked, I'm not a doctor. Look, people were- I think you're I think I'm a doctor. Yeah, I, doctor. I think you're but, a doctor. But he should, and all these government officials who are on this task force, should they be immediately tested given uh, the wife of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has, has the virus and obviously uh, Prime Minister Trudeau is quarantining himself. All these other uh, congressmen and senators are quarantined themselves. These people have been in contact uh, with all kinds of people who have coronavirus, who have been tested and have coronavirus. What should happen? What 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 is going to happen? What is going to happen? I, I'm done yeah. with that kind of game. Okay. Um, the uh, and and have been for a long time. What should happen? Look like you. I'm not a doctor, um, right. despite my playing one with my kids and fevers, and mm-hmm. you know, convinced that I can diagnose them easily. But what I know the guidelines have been for other people in similar circumstances is that they're supposed to self-quarantine for 14 days from the contact. And what Dr. Fauci was quoted saying, I don't remember if it was yesterday or today, he's given us suddenly a spate of interviews, which is also interesting because he Mm -hmm. had generally been doing basically one a day. Um, But as the crisis has become more imminent, he has been more vocal. He said somewhere that just because you're asymptomatic, if you have it, you can still be shedding the virus right. to other people and mm-hmm. so or into the air. And I think that's jarring and alarming. So what will happen in terms of any of these officials and testing and quarantining, I have no idea. But I do think that it, it is going to be a difficult position for the president s- to sustain to not get tested um, if he hasn't, which they say he hasn't. Now, he has sustained difficult positions before, mm-hmm. so it's possible he'll just keep moving on. But we are dealing with a situation where we're, we are awaiting at this hour the results of a test on uh, on the Brazilian president and uh, whose aide tested positive for it. We don't know what that will show, but if it does turn out to be positive, and hopefully it will be negative, mm-hmm. if it does turn out to be positive, I, I think there's just going to be a lot more pressure on the president to... To, to take a test. To take a test, yeah. Will and, he, and for more transparency from the White House about Will this. they do that? Because they don't do it on anything else. I mean, when he went to Walter Reed a couple months ago, yeah. no no information whatsoever. No, and and they, no one was able to find out No, and it. they claimed that he was, you know, getting a jump on his annual physical, which has yet to happen as far as we know. So right. I just don't know the answer. Um, but look, like I said, I, I can see him basically just tuning this out. His One of his... Um, biggest political attributes, just personally, is mm-hmm. his ability, His for somebody who is as thin-skinned as he is, he has a tremendously high threshold for um, pain in some mm-hmm. way, right? And mm-hmm. so he is able to withstand a level of attention and, and focus and interest that few other politicians I've ever seen have been able to do because he's... He, doesn't care and he's not gonna well it's called shamelessness just so you know if you like i thank you for that yeah. um the um but um but when you cannot be shamed it is an edge and uh-huh. he doesn't get shamed into doing things or very rarely does so but i think it's going to depend on a you know obviously people are going to be monitoring how he's feeling mm-hmm. um and, or if he suddenly disappears and if he suddenly disappears or if he suddenly gets you know seems sick um there was not there was not a briefing by the uh, vice president yesterday, after mm-hmm. they had said there were going to be daily briefings, um, Fauci did a gaggle with reporters outside the White House. I did. I was a little struck by that. Um, so far, there's not a briefing scheduled for today, Friday. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. But if he suddenly disappears or if he looks like he's feeling sick, then I think there's going to be a lot more pressure to do something. But, but you say pressure, but it doesn't seem like there's pressure. It does, talk about the White House itself right now. Who is actually running things? <laughs> 
excellent question. Yeah. I, as of Monday um, at, at 3 p.m., it was Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. And I think technically it is still um, Mike Pence. Um, Mike Pence, Jared, this is the coronavirus task force. Mike Pence is the point person on, right. on right. the coronavirus response. Who's running the White House? Oh, who's running the actual White House? Yeah. I'm sorry, I yeah. misunderstood your question. Is Mark Meadows isn't there? I, I guess mean, Mick Mulvaney. Mick Mulvaney still is still technically there, mm-hmm. and they're transitioning. And Meadows emerged from self quarantine either yesterday or the day before, and and is is there. But there is technically no person, quote unquote, running because they're in this weird interim period. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, this is, again, going back to something else I said before, this is the problem when there's sort of relatives who are unaccountable, is the chief of staff has never been totally accountable because they always have to answer to Jared Kushner and mm-hmm. so in some form or another, and um, or they worry that he's going to disagree with them. So it's pretty hard to say who's directly in charge right so now. So talk a little bit about the speech that caused the markets to tank. Um, th- th- you, you all did, it was very uh, blunt, it yes. Was, it, there was a lot of coverage of it, how it there happened. Was, yes. So he changed the speech in the middle of it? So here's what happened, as we understand it. And again, right. to be clear, sometimes we understand more as time mm-hmm. goes on. What we know now is that, I, I cannot stop staring at this Purell bottle, sorry. Um, the, um, <laughs> uh, you want to make sure you're safe, Well, it's, it's, a, it's a precious commodity, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm eyeing it. Uh, uh, anyway, the he decided at some point on Wednesday that he was going to give this address. He mm-hmm. was It was suggested to him strongly by a bunch of folks. There were some people who did not think it was a good idea. There were questions about exactly what he would be saying. The speech started being drafted at 5 o'clock by Jared Kushner and Stephen Miller with Derek Lyons, the um, uh, staff secretary, uh, helping as well. And it was striking that there were some things that were factually off about the mm-hmm. speech. There were... Um, two errors in there, and uh, one related to how broadly the insurance waivers are going to be. Right. The other related to who the the travel applied to. The third, the president appeared to have stumbled on, Mm -hmm. which himself, which was he was supposed to be saying that the restrictions did not apply to trade and cargo because there's a lot of flights, and Mnuchin had warned them you got to be careful with this. There's a lot of flights that have mixed use. Mm -hmm. Um, So it did not apply to trade and cargo. And the president said it applies not only to trade and and cargo. And that was complicating. Yeah. Um, So so. how did that happen? Like, usually when they do these speeches, tons of people weigh in. Everyone is consulted. Well, from one, I mean, I watched that happened. That's how this happened. So you just wrote it. So first of all, to be clear, this White House has never quite worked that way, although right. the speech writing process has usually included a lot more drafts. When Rob Porter, the former staff secretary, was there, and I think generally Derek Lyons is pretty careful about this too, they're pretty cautious about the vetting. So it was notable that a speech that two people who have not really been involved in this mm-hmm. took over, Stephen Miller and Jared Kushner, contained these errors. They didn't really consult in depth with the experts. The speech was being rewritten almost right up until the moment it was given. And there was this debate among aides about two hours before the speech was given where aides um, said some form of, you know, what are we presenting? Is this a good idea? The health experts either supported or were neutral about a ban on Europeans coming mm-hmm. in. There is this U.K. carve out. No mention of testing. Some, no mention of No mention of, of testing. No mention of hospital. And so, um, but also 
Steve Mnuchin was concerned about the fact that the speech was being given when it was being given. He mm-hmm. wanted it to wait for at least a day or two. He was concerned that there wasn't enough concrete in terms of, you know, economic policy being said right. or testing. And he was in the middle of And he was in the middle of this. And, and some White House aides have said to me that they intentionally gave the president, quote unquote, flexibility. Um, there was a line that was real tell in the speech where the president talked about them doing, quote unquote, various other things. Mm-hmm. And so, when the president over many years says, we're doing a lot of things or we're doing and other things. Mm-hmm. It's either filler because he's not quite sure what to say or because he doesn't want to commit. Mm-hmm. And it was striking that that was in the speech. Um, but that's, I think, how two factual errors got there. And I think this is the problem when Jared Kushner seeks to claim a lot of credit on on these issues is he's starting to get blame from others in the White House so in a way that he, he typically is he in here not. at all? Like that, that's because he is the president's son-in-law and because he is generally allowed to do what he wants. In fairness but to him— why? Well— because that is how the president is most comfortable. I don't have a better answer than that. Uh-huh. I mean, there is a reason that most presidents, not all, to mm-hmm. be clear, but most presidents have kept their family members out of actual staff jobs. And it's because it can be, you know, hard to see them as neutral and as in line with other aides. And everybody else is in fear of them. And everyone else is in fear. And mm-hmm. in fairness to Kushner, um, part of how he initially got involved in this on Monday was not... What often happens, which is he finds a way to step in because there's a hole. But in this case, Mark Short, um, Pence's chief of staff, went to him. Mulvaney was not back yet, um, but although Mulvaney is still there mm-hmm. and Meadows had not begun yet, and asked for Kushner's help melding sort of the staffs because the VP's office Com shop in particular is overrun mm-hmm. uh, with questions. It's a very small staff, and that's it's understandable. And so that's how Kushner got involved. Mm-hmm. Um, how did Miller get involved? Because Miller is a chief speechwriter, so mm-hmm. that's he was always going to be involved in a speech. No one should have been surprised by that. Uh-huh. It was the fact that it was just the two of them. The task force consulted only nominally mm-hmm. beforehand on the travel ban piece. And so little vetting of this speech. A speech, this was a nine o'clock address, and they started writing it around five. Mm-hmm. That should tell you a lot of what you need to know. Yeah, I know. I, I got it. You got that. it? You there I got me? it. I got okay. it. So let's talk about the task force itself. It's being run by Pence. Pence has been sort of a yes man, a sort of a quintessential yes man to Donald Trump forever. You know, there's so many stories, the Rex Tillerson one, where he sits there and says nothing um, during the whole thing. What is his role now? Because he does seem like he's actually trying to be competent, and he's actually not saying yes. He's doing his typical, and the president's so smart, and the president did this. He, but he seems to be actually behaving like a public official I might. Think, yeah, I think he's really trying. I, I mean, I, look, I, I think there's no question that a lot of his his commentary praising the president is going to cause eye rolls at minimum. Mm-hmm. But I do think, really, to be fair to him and his folks, um, I think he really has been trying to get this in line. And I think the first small window of time, it was better um, than it had been and was more functional than it had been. He, um, I mean, you know, the shift over to the VP's office caused a lot of resentment and other parts of the West Wing as various aspects of the response were taken away and, and moved there. But I do think that Pence and his team have tried. And I think that Pence, um, I was very struck by this the other day. You know, the president made a production while he was at the CDC of mm-hmm. saying he had told Pence not to praise Jay Inslee, mm-hmm. the governor of Washington. A snake, yeah. who's Who, according to the president, is a quote-unquote snake that had an, a number of cases in Washington. And Pence the other day, after that, and now granted he was not standing with the president, but so what, praised the governor and talked about their working relationship. And mm-hmm. I, these are these are small measures, Mm -hmm. but they're really notable after three years of this White House. And I I do think that Pence is not 
I think Pence is trying to grapple with what is clearly emerging as a real public health threat without sort of adding to a cratering public confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that for people who want to do what many would consider the right thing in this administration right now, um, they feel like they're walking a delicate line. I suspect Mike Pence is one of them. All right. So who else do you consider to be important in what's happening right now within the White House? Look, it's mostly the health experts. It's Mm -hmm. um, from Pence's own staff. It's Mark Short, his chief of staff. Um, It will ultimately be Mark Meadows, the new chief of staff. Kushner has put himself in it, so he's there. But um, it's mostly people like Anthony Fauci, who mm-hmm. is the, you know, he has an, he has unimpeachable credibility. He's clearly able to be political, given that he has survived so many administrations, mm-hmm. um, going back to the AIDS crisis. Right. But he is also clearly a devoted public servant and a devoted public health expert who wants the public to have the best information. And watching him correct the president in real time was very striking as the president was sort of rosy painting the idea that a vaccine will be ready to use in about three months. And Fauci was like, actually, a year, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a real moment. Fauci has been very clear about the failures of the administration. Has he, and he seems to be the person saying what the failures are and admitting failures. He, I mean, he even said that. It's a failure, I admit. He said it's a failing it's about a the failing. testing. It's a failing, was mm-hmm. his word. Now, he didn't, he didn't affix blame. Right. But it was a, it was a pretty striking admission. So and it was under oath. Does that put him in danger of being fired? Sure. I mean, I, I think that he's concerned about it. As far as I know from people who have talked to him, he's concerned about it. I think that he... Similar to Ron Ro- Rod Rosenstein, it feels like. I mean, he's not. It's not that Ron Rosenstein's I mean, a different character. I, I think that, I, yeah, I don't want to compare them because I think there's a lot of people who have served in this administration who convince themselves that their actions are pure and unimpeachable mm-hmm. because they believe they're doing more good than harm. Mm-hmm. I think Anthony Fauci is actually doing more good than harm. And yeah. I think that objectively that's the case. 100%. And I don't think he's talking himself into that. Um, right. I think there is clearly an urgent need for him to be there as much as he might ruffle some feathers within the White House. But he is still who I would point to as the most important. Has he ruffled Trump's feathers yet? Um, thinks this is apparently important. I think that Trump is a credentialist, and so he knows that Fauci has a very impressive resume. And so I think that has given Fauci some leeway in the same way that Bill Barr had some leeway to criticize the president publicly, because I think the president believed that it was in his own interest. Um, I think if Fauci starts criticizing the White House, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that he's going to be so pleased with him, the president. But um, And what about the CDC head? In terms of how the president views him? Yeah. I mean, I think the president is very frustrated with the errors, and I think other people are too, mm-hmm. um, which is part of why you have seen the CDC head taking it upon himself to praise the president mm-hmm. in such a... Um, broad manner. All right. So what happens next? So this task force, I assume, is trying one. One, we have Mnuchin Mm -hmm. trying to do the economic stimulus Mm -hmm. package Mm -hmm. with Nancy Pelosi. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have the task force trying to get testing and the the serious things Mm -hmm. that happen. You've watched this administration go through crisis after crisis. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's constant crisis. How do you look at this one in comparison to the others? This is a crisis that isn't a, of the president's own making. Mm-hmm. Um, B, involves actual citizens. And C, I think, could be defining of his presidency. There is, presidents are defined by crisis. You know, George W. Bush in term one was defined by 9-11 mm-hmm. and the response. And in term two, he was defined by Katrina right. and that response. Right. Um, you know, Obama was defined by the response to the fiscal crisis early on and then to 
the passage of and the handling of the Affordable Care Act and a number of other issues um, that, that came up during his tenure. Bill Clinton had a terrorist attack on his watch. I just, you know, on and on and on. I don't know what the eventual meaning of this will be for this White House, but but presidents and governors and mayors are defined by crises and how they handle them. And one of the things that has been striking watching this White House, I tweeted about this this morning, the president does so much complaining about how he's being treated mm-hmm. about this. I've never seen anything like it. I can't think of anyone who's ever seen anything like it. Maybe Bill de Blasio comes mm-hmm. comparable. The only person I can think is remotely comparable. Yeah, so the whining. The whining. Right. And... You know, I don't get credit. I don't get that. Well, it's also like the country didn't just get built up when you got there, right? Mm -hmm. Every other president has dealt with some... This is why you run for president is arguably because you're going to be good if, God forbid, something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. And every president has something go wrong. And this president has had an incredible run of luck. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, it's being tested. And his response has been to suggest he's a victim. Mm -hmm. And that is always his response is to suggest he's a victim. And I'm not sure that voters will tune it out this time. We'll see. Well, you've talked about this a lot when we've talked, is the idea that, you know, I've always said, this time, come on. Right. And you've been like, no, nah, nope. not this time. What well, this is, time might be. So why is this different? Because talk about the other times. You had sure. Comey, you had sure. the impeachment. You had Comey, you had Mueller for two years. Mm-hmm. And I think the public started to tune out Mueller at a certain point. And I think in a, in a weird way for all of his complaining about the real-time coverage of it, which he still does, the, the media coverage, he benefited from that because by the time this 400-page report came out, mm-hmm. most of it had been reported in real time. Right. So the public was like, oh, what's the news? Mm-hmm. Had all of that been kept under wraps and then suddenly presented to the public? Right. It might have had a very different impact than it, than it ultimately did. Um, impeachment was, you know, a complicated issue related to military aid to Ukraine, which is of huge significance in terms of foreign relations and of minimal interest to a lot of voters. Mm -hmm. So this one is different because voters understand that they can get sick or their loved one could get sick and they understand the stock market is tanking and their 401ks are being wiped out or that their jobs are being laid off or and on and on and on. And you can't go to Disney. And you can't. Right. I, that's that's okay. I, it's not um, a small thing. It's no, not it's a small not. thing. It's a big deal. I, I know it's it sounds a big crazy, deal. but it's no, people it can't do, can't go out. They can't go to restaurants. They can't it is, it live is, their lives. This is the part that is about there are there is the tangible physical reality about a stalled economy and about putting huge segments of the economy on and and sectors on ice, mm-hmm. and then there is the psychological aspect of this, which is something I think he was attempting to tweet about this morning when he said physiological about Jerome Powell, um, but that is real and those effects really linger. So we're not going to... There's going to be a lag on this of several weeks, not just Mm -hmm. in terms of medical cases, but in terms of the impact on the economy. Mm -hmm. And when his whole calling card for re-election has been... There's you. You might not like me, but the economy is going to tank if you right, get rid of me. Yeah. The biggest risk for him right now, you know, the 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 market in the last several days has wiped out. My colleague Peter Baker tweeted, I think it was eighty three percent of the gains. Yeah. Of the Trump presidency, if it dips below where it was when he took office, it's harder to make the argument that he's the only person who can keep it going. Right. Uh, and especially as, as and we have this huge deficit and now there's too. A deficit, and also as he's insisting that a payroll tax holiday is the only real solution here, which mm-hmm. even members of his own party don't agree with. So um, this is because th- it will it will add to the to the debt. So this is a this is these are all factors on why this is different, coupled with the fact that and, and by different, what I mean is I think he was on a pretty strong path toward re-election. Not certain. Mm-hmm. You can argue it was a coin flip. 
but it was it was not zero. It was mm-hmm. it was fifty fifty and maybe a little north of that. They also assumed they were going to get an, an opponent they could paint as extreme or unelectable, and that that was going to be Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or, you know, a a completely dinged up Joe Biden. And mm-hmm. that's not what happened. Democratic right. voters rejected what Trump has said about Biden by voting for him. Right. And so, and Biden's comeback was. Uh, we've never seen anything like that in in, in modern politics, just in mm-hmm. terms of the speed and breadth of it, um, going from fourth and fifth places right. in the first two states to winning across the country um, a few days later. So there's a lot of uncertainty now, and this president doesn't tend to react well to um, uncertainty that he is not the person creating it. So when we get back, we're going to talk about what then he's going to do. What, 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 what is going to happen? I don't want okay. you to be a predictor, but we're here with Maggie Just Haberman guess. of the New York Times. Just guess. Yeah. Okay. Educated guesses right. based on past history. Sure. Uh, Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back after this. We're here with Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. We're talking about, obviously, coronavirus and President Trump. They're going to have a press conference. He keeps talking. One of the, A lot of people are saying he should stop talking, like get out of the way and be quiet and sit in the background because he's incapable. Well, of- he tried that. And he, and I think part of the problem is that he's where, where it's been really hard for Pence, who I think was actually empowered more than almost any other official has been over time, mm-hmm. except for maybe you know, Bill Barr um, in this administration, but he has had trouble letting go of it. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't like seating the stage. And so ultimately he sees it as a stage. So it was inevitable that Mike Pence was going to have Jared Kushner moving in on his territory, and it was inevitable that the president was never going to totally let go. So what does that do? Is that a good idea on his part? This in, he, he he prides himself on his instincts, his political instincts um, of when to act. And so far, every outing has been worse than the other, whether he was at the CDC and wearing the MAGA hat, which was tasteless, or saying he He's a very good doctor, or um, making comments that that minimize it. There's a there's a really yes. We good, were going to be at zero cases. Zero by cases. Now, according yeah. To him. Right, right. Exactly. So he. Why does he keep inserting himself when it's damaging? To and who? Why aren't they stopping him? Because if they want to win. Because he can't help himself, and because they're not successful at getting him to not do things. And mm-hmm. it's no longer clear to me how many of them are actually trying that mm-hmm. hard. But he can't help himself, and it should surprise no one at this point. Why, why does he tweet 800 times a day? Right. Because he can't right. help himself. Talk about that a little bit, the tweeting. Because one of one of the best tweets I saw last night was, he's tweeted more than we've tested for coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's... That has been effective for a long time, this tweeting. Or do you not think it's been effective? No, I, I do think it's been effective. I think in gen- two ways. I think, number one, it's gotten people... T- it's changed the subject, which is mm-hmm. what he tries to do. And it's signaled to his followers. And it's also um, been a way to seem like he's directly communicating with people, which is how a lot of people have interpreted it, especially mm-hmm. his supporters. You know, you look at Twitter and it seems like someone's screaming just at you. And I don't mean he's screaming. I just right. mean any any tweets. It doesn't work because this is not, this is a virus. You're not, this isn't a PR issue. This is a health issue. And mm-hmm. so tweeting misinformation actually, and or saying misinformation. Which uh, then gets tweeted. Which then gets tweeted is used against you. There has also been one thing I've been really struck by in the last 24 hours is the degree to which across Washington people have become either so numb to stuff he says or the inaccuracies or the falsehoods or the lies that um, and his behavior that everything just becomes flat like any other day. Mm-hmm. The speech was a mess. Mm-hmm. The It did much more harm than good, clearly. The moment, the interactions that he had, pool spray he did yesterday in the in the White House with reporters where he bragged about a phantom rally attendance number and said he might, you know, still might go to Florida and said all kinds of other stuff. That is not helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And it was actually really jarring to hear him saying all of this as the governor of the state where he was supposed to be doing this rally in Florida was urging a cancellation of mass gatherings. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just was creating his own reality and he was saying things that weren't true. And it was treated like it was no big deal. And the number of reporters who were watching it and sort of like, oh, but he's probably he said he's probably not going to go. Okay, He actually said a lot of stuff in there. And it was... Well, how do you stay ahead of that? I mean, you're covering this. It's exhausting. It must be exhausting to cover this. And, I'm, and you get attacked totally yourself. Fr- I'm totally fresh. <laughs> wide awake. But you I'm get great. attacked yourself. You, um, I make you, mistakes you, you, you out of become, fatigue. And like, yes. and I, I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes this week that I'm embarrassed by. So, so we all make them. So when you, and then you have him attacking you personally and all the reporters, but you're, what, are you that loser, Maggie Haberman? What is your? Third rate. Third rate. Well, yeah. you know, now Vanity Fair is third, right? And then something about Hillary Clinton in there, too. I forget what. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But how do, how do reporters sustain that? Not just you, but in terms of you pretend it's not, it's equalized. I think that's the complaint about the press is that they equalize things. And, and do you just not ignore them or can you not be in a constant state of like, are you seeing this? I think it's up to media outlets to defend their reporters. I don't mm-hmm. think that it is great for individual reporters to be doing mm-hmm like name-calling one-offs with the president. I just don't. And mm-hmm. so um, that's me. Right. Other people see it differently. people expect you to do that, right? The pressure. Uh, yeah. And I think it's because, well, again, that's the flattening effect of Twitter. Right. We're all on here. Let's just yell at each other. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's a, a bad sliding slope that we just end up rolling down. I do think it is really important for the heads of newsrooms to defend their reporters mm-hmm. and to make clear that what he is doing is not acceptable. He... And as long as I have known him, he will push things as far as he can go and push the limits as far as he can go. And if he doesn't get stopped, he'll then push them further. Mm -hmm. And that is what he has done with his attacks on the press. Mm -hmm. He has been able to basically do it with very little pushback because our ethos in journalism, as you know, is we shouldn't make ourselves the story. Mm -hmm. And we're doing that if we respond to him. But I think newsrooms need to respond to him differently than they have. But how does that stop him? I think that's the thinking is like, I think no it might, what we I th- say. Well, I think once upon a time it might have had more of an effect. I think probably now it's too late, mm-hmm. but it's still also the right thing to do. To keep saying, this is ridiculous, this is ridiculous yeah, every it's, time. You know, j- yes, and, and attacking our reporters is making, you know, attacking our reporters with false information is dangerous. Well, the equalizing is, I think, effective for him. The equal, Oh, yeah, uh, if everything you know, looks the same, then he's not doing anything different. And, yeah. and that reporters cover things like, I, I think about this a lot because I've been a beat reporter. You're essentially a beat reporter, I'm all of you reporter. cover. Yeah. When you cover it, you have to say what someone said, and now yeah. people criticize you saying what they said because Correct. it gives them— I, I mean, I was noticing headlines in the Times were criticized because it didn't say this mm-hmm. was a lie in it. it just I think that he's an he enormous challenge in this front, I think, for all of us, and I think sometimes we have succeeded at it better than other times. Um, mm-hmm. I think every paper has. Um, but I do think it is a challenge because he knows. Listen, he understands—he doesn't understand the way newsrooms work. Mm-hmm. I remember—I think it was Jay Rosen— was very bothered that I had said that Trump is a master media manipulator, which he just is yes. objectively. Mm-hmm. And he then started sort of parsing, you know, wouldn't he understand that an editorial means... Uh, he doesn't he doesn't care about divisions within the newsroom. He knows mm-hmm. how to get what he wants. And right. so, and that's what he's focused on. And he uses our own processes to undermine us. He knows that more often than not, if he just says a lot of stuff, that the stuff will be covered on its own. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he sends out stuff about Obama, and he still gets, you know, and it's not true that mm-hmm. it's Obama's fault that the CDC was messed up. But he knows that that'll be injected into the ether and mm-hmm. injected into the bloodstream, and that's what he's going for. And so, 
Listen, if we're looking at this as points on the board, which mm-hmm. I prefer not to because that's not how we do our jobs, but mm-hmm. if one is looking at it that way, um, he puts a lot of points on the board. And there's very little that we can do to catch up to it. Um, I don't think the answer is not reporting what the president of the United States says. Right. What I do think the answer is, is reporting as much of what he says as possible so people can see the full context and people can then decide for themselves. Because he benefits by the fact that, much less so with TV, actually, with with newsprint, with print stories and, mm-hmm. and online stuff, he benefits from the fact that news media generally will use the quote that is the cleanest and the clearest and the one that speaks the most to the premise of the story. That's why running these transcripts of what he says is actually really valuable mm-hmm. because you can just see it all. Right. And you can see this sort of discursive speaking style and swirl around the drain mm-hmm. saying, you know, one thing in this moment and 20 seconds later saying something different on the same topic. And people can interpret that for themselves. I, I think this is it. We have never had somebody like him in office. And mm-hmm. so I think that in that area, I think that the media has been slow to catch up. And I think we are all still struggling with it. But I think that the rap of don't quote what he says or don't tweet, the, it's just like, that's you know, you, you tweeted this, you reported what he said. That's spreading disinformation. Mm-hmm. That's the other one that we've been getting Although a lot. you can see why like, people think that, right? I it's, can understand why people think it. But I think that I would I would urge people with you know, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 followers of their own, when they are tweeting at, at, at news media, you're spreading disinformation, you are contributing to the problem by doing mm-hmm. that. It mm-hmm. is on you to actually be as, you're, if everybody is just a commentator, mm-hmm. then everybody loses. Right. All right, so covering the, where we're going from here, you don't want to make predictions. I but, sure don't. Yeah, sure don't. But wh- how do you look at covering this election? Because it's only in a few months. And this, you know, the timing is not great for Trump right now. But as you said, he's recovered from... Lots of things. Um, although this is a longer lead time. You know, the, the, this illness it takes a while to work its way through the system. And then at the same time, the economic impact is going to land right in November. It likely will. And the virus may—we we don't know the trail of this. The, 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 it, it may have a long tail. It may not. But right. there are some predictions that— Well, could, we've seen it happen elsewhere. We've seen it happen elsewhere. We've seen that contain or mitigation strategies have worked in mm-hmm. certain places. So maybe it'll be mitigated for the summer, and then maybe it comes back in the fall. Maybe it doesn't. Um, there are predictions now of a recession this year. Right. That's problematic for him. And then just in terms of the pure campaign piece of it— that really is where this is having an impact because mm-hmm. you've got this, everything is just on hold. There's no campaign rallies, which are the things he loves and the way right. he likes to president, the way he likes to campaign. If you're Joe Biden and you are constantly being trailed about gaffes, mm-hmm. this is a dream. You're, right. You barely have to be in public. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you're Donald Trump, this is a life sentence and he's really struggling with this. We don't know what the party conventions will look like yet, right? right. Those are pretty, this, this is the summer. Those are pretty mass gatherings. Right. We just don't know. We just, there's so much we the don't know. The debates are done. The debates, well, the debates. They'll look, happen, but there's not the crowd. There's not the scrum. There's it, not if the they, press no, there. If there are fall debates, and I still think it's likelier than not that the president participates in, in uh, Commission on Presidential Debate hosted forums, um, although his folks have indicated he might not. But if he does, you know, you could see them same as we're seeing now without an audience, mm-hmm. right? I just think this this virus is going to so fundamentally alter life on a political campaign in ways we haven't yet fathomed, so mm-hmm. I just don't know. Is there a scenario without political conventions? Sure. There's yeah. a scenario without everything. I right. mean, the, the the RNC just put out a memo this morning, and I imagine Democrats will do something similar, about mm-hmm. um, guidance for how to handle state delegate selection because there's now these 
these rules against mass gatherings of, mm-hmm. you know, more than 500 people in a lot of states or even 250 people in certain places. So it could absolutely impact the way this goes. Could people end up doing this virtually? Could people end up doing it by mail? Could people, I, we do not know. Can he operate without those rallies? I think it's going to be very hard for him. The rallies, it's, I was, it's funny. when Bloom- You've been to how many now? A lot. I don't know. Uh, Bloomberg, um, when he was running um, for president briefly, you know, he, he ran the way he ran for mayor, which was minimal voter contact and a lot of paid media. Mm-hmm. Trump also does minimal voter contact, but the rallies made people feel like they were interacting with him because mm-hmm. they were such a show. And he doesn't really like retail. He doesn't like diner stops. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just not what he does. And right. so I think this will be an enormous challenge for him if he doesn't have them. What do you imagine he'll do then? What do you, I, I honestly... I. Uh, my brain has online. <laughs> what he'll do? A, he'll do a rally surrounded by White House officials. I, you know, I don't. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. Yeah. And how do you then cover it? We. Co- I mean, I suspect we're going to end up covering a lot of stuff online. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, we we are. The Times is working from home now, mm-hmm. as many uh, many what many news organizations like? are. Well, for me, it's not that different because <laughs> my bureau is in D.C. and I live in New York. But right. Um, but it's complicating. I, you know, I was supposed to go to D.C. this week. I didn't get to go. I don't know when I'll be able to go. It's uh, it's different, and it's 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 just more complicated not having everybody in the same room. It's one thing when you're the one person who's not in the room, and mm-hmm. and I've managed to make that work. But when everyone is not in the room together, it's complicating, as you as you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I do podcasts. Maybe. That's true. <laughs> you're going to be the lone survivor. That's do you know good. what? I'm a social distancer. You are <laughs> from a long time ago. You know, oh. if, I, it has a different meaning. But yes, you are. All right. Last question. Presuming that. We'll have another president someday, or, or depending on which side. You've had sort of an, a front row seat to this in an astonishing way of this unusual thing. Is this a thing that is just going to be like, wow, did that happen? Or is this the way politics is going forward? There will be parts of it that will be wow, and there will be parts of it that will be permanently altered. Um, so what is going to be permanently altered? I'm very skeptical that the daily briefing returns. Um, right. I, I think it might return in some fashion, but... It will be at, you know, sort of the user's discretion, right, in terms mm-hmm. of or the, the White House discretion. Um, I'm very skeptical that any candidate who has personal wealth ever releases their taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, it was a big thing to get Mitt Romney to release his in 2012, and it was harmful to him because he delayed it for so long, but he ultimately did it. Mm-hmm. Mike Bloomberg delayed putting out his disclosure, uh, and he never really released his tax returns when he was mayor. Um, until after Super Tuesday, and as it turned out, he did very badly in Super Tuesday, and he dropped out. So, I think that there is going to be there are going to be things that this president has shown that you don't quote unquote have to do that I think other administrations might find appealing. And I think also we've seen it in terms of just the discourse is so gross, and you know, I've long said that Trump's supporters and advisors start to act like him. Not all of them, but many. But so do a lot of his opponents. A lot Mm -hmm. of Democrats are acting on Twitter like him. And this is the problem with the go get in a fight with him and scream back at him. Like, Mm -hmm. no, that's so I I just I think we don't know yet, but I don't it's I think that there's not just going to be the snapback everybody assumes there is. Right. And then lastly, how do we then get along? I mean, I've noticed it sounds crazy driving, riding the subway today. People were a lot nicer to each other. There was certain People seemed exhausted by the anger. Well, look, I think people are exhausted by the anger, and I think during a time of public crisis, I think people, certainly in this city, we're in New York right now, tend mm-hmm. to come together. I, the the most the most unified and peaceful in my lifetime, and I have 
lived in the city all my 46 and a half years is, um, or in a quarter, um, 9-11 was a unifying event um, for the country, for the world in a lot of ways, but or aspects of the world, but certainly for the city in a city that's not known for people being nice to one another. And so I think that there is a sense of people need to give each other a hand right now. There's also a sense of people acting crazy at grocery stores, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not totally Well, that's common. Fine. <laughs> it's a little, a little worse right now. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that it's going to take an act and, and heave of the will on the part of a lot of people to be better to one another. All right. Maggie Haberman, get back to coverage. Thank you, Kara. All right. Me. And try to keep uh, safe, please. I'll I do my I'm best. not sure I want you to go to the White House. Can, right? I, yeah. can I take this bottle of Purell Yes, you can take me? the bottle okay, of Purell with you. you. Anyway, thank you, Maggie, for coming on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Maggie, where can people find you online? At Maggie NYT on Twitter or at NewYorkTimes.com. Where you write, what, 26 times a day? I try not to take count. Um, that's That might be the one area where um, I also behave like the president a little bit and tweeting too much. All right. If you, I thought you were going off Twitter. Uh, we're, we're not discussing this anymore. All right. Okay. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcast, Pivot Reset. Recode Media, Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Rabe. Special thanks to Dubway Studios and Art Chung. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.